a lot of it is like the mobility and flexibility stuff that I mean you've taught me mm-hmm. and I, we got to work on a lot because um, you get in jiu-jitsu I've heard it described as it's almost kind of like you're you're doing like crossfit or different lifts and then someone shakes you or puts you in like a weird position yeah. so you you get kind of these these weird positions that you get put in that yeah. might not your body might not be prepared for yeah. uh, so I think yeah keeping the flexibility mobility i really like have given up all the heavy lifting stuff i've given it up years ago mm-hmm. as i was taught by you drew <laughs> um but because i was getting super tight and i was yeah. getting all kinds of soft tissue injuries yeah so yeah i, I gave that up and I, I i feel much better just doing a lot of different body weight stuff isometric stuff yeah um so for me I, yeah that that's what i try to do for injury prevention yeah Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you again for joining for another week. For any of the new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing your performance. All of my returning listeners, thank you for all the support and joining for another episode. And for everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the great previous library of episodes there have been great excellent guest interviews a lot of solo topics that i go over and break down certain topics that all deal with elevating your performance also be sure to check out my youtube channel i've been putting up video highlight clips of many of the past episodes a short video highlight clip is going up daily on my youtube channel so you can just search for hnl movement or the hnl movement podcast be sure to like subscribe to my channel and share this content with family friends coaches teammates really anyone that you think would enjoy watching it Today I have a very exciting episode and a guest who we go quite a ways back and we've worked together under the same umbrella company long ago and someone who I learned a lot from when we're dealing with orthopedic type of injuries and just the care and managing people's injury to get them back to full health. Today we have Patrick Katahara who's a physician assistant to join me on the podcast. He's not only a PA but he's an avid jiu-jitsu practitioner and he likes to train jiu-jitsu and MMA and he has a wealth of knowledge to share not only with orthopedics but also going through an LCL injury, the lateral collateral ligament on the outside of your knee, going through that surgery, the rehabilitation process and even just now functioning and all of the things that he needs to do to take care of his knee so that he can do all of the things that he loves. There's a lot of great stories in here, a lot of things that we share when it comes to perspective on injuries but also he shares some insight of the ways that he's rehabbed the ways that I got on him and pushed him to make sure that his knee and everything was really strong and could withstand all of the demands that he does with MMA training and jujitsu. So there's a lot of insights in this episode. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but enjoy this one. There's a lot of good things in here. Hopefully it's entertaining and it was great to catch up with Pat and have him on the podcast. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. So we have a friend that we go way back and a lot of stories that we'll talk about today. And we have Pat Katahara, who's a physician assistant, so PAC, and we've worked together back, you know, in the same group before. But anyway, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, 
Like, like, like I was saying, the official cover story is I came here to look at the gym and uh, got roped into this. So Yeah, when you came in, you walked in and there was everything set up and I was like, oh, we're going to do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there's um, a lot of things that we've worked together with, I think. Um, we saw a lot of similar patients. So pretty much before, this was a long time ago, um, we were part of the same organization and you were the head physician assistant at the urgent care, orthopedic urgent care. So yep. a lot of people that saw you ended up either doing rehab or physical therapy up in the clinic. And I always say there's, it's great to have that collaborative discussion or just line of communication between professions. Uh-huh. Um, you seeing it when it first happens and what we're seeing and then when they follow up with you, you know, there's communication. So that always helps with the care of the overall athlete or the patient. But before we get into all of that, Let's talk about because I know you as, you know, being a martial artist, jiu-jitsu, all of these other things, even training, um, there's been times that we've worked out or whatever and then complaining, hearing um, my complaining to you and you complaining to me about what workouts we're doing, but there's a lot of overlap here. So let's get into your backstory. What okay. was it like for you growing up? Sports, I know, was a big part. Jiu-jitsu was a big part. Explain kind of how you got into all the activities that you do today. How I got into activities, jeez. Um, I really just do jiu-jitsu nowadays, man. That's kind of my lazy hobby activity. I started officially, like, really training. We, we would always, like, goof around in high school in people's backyards and mm-hmm. box and grapple and whatnot. But uh, I think first gym I ever trained at was Boss Rutin's gym in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, where we were, I was going up there for undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my younger brother uh, started there. Um, trained there for a couple years, and I moved to Nebraska for PA school. Trained at a MMA gym, Lincoln MMA, over there for a couple years, then moved back to Hawaii. And since then, been, I, I think I took like a year off where I was working quite a bit, but then started training at uh, Gracie Technics in um, Kalihi. Were you always into the grappling or is that how it started or more into everything? We kind of just um, like me and my younger brother started just like doing MMA stuff and we were we were just doing that basically. A lot of no gi stuff, um, especially at Boss Routine's gym. It, it wasn't really like true Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot mm-hmm. of it was like just no gi, a lot of kickboxing MMA stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the, the jiu-jitsu I like now because it's kind of like a good old man sport. Um, you can kind of get away with, with uh, being out of shape and uh, uh, more so than other other sports. Yeah, More so than other yeah. sports. Yeah. No, but it definitely is a good workout, you know, just oh, in yeah. general. Yeah. How did this interest grow? Was it something more when you got into college that it was a hobby that you picked up or was it even from high school? Oh man, I, I think I always liked jujitsu. I remember like watching like the first couple UFCs with when I was a kid with my family, um, and we always I always liked jujitsu. But uh, I think I actually went to like a seminar with Hoist Gracie, me and my two brothers and my dad when we were kids, and we, it was like in a basketball arena or, or court or something um, back in the day. But I just never stuck with it. Did a bunch of different martial arts when I was a kid, but in college I just kind of wanted got the itch to try it again. I think. When yeah. was how old were you when you went to that seminar with Hoist Gracie? Jeez, uh, probably like ten years old, maybe. I remember oh. Sean Kemp was there. 
You remember the basketball <laughs> player? Just randomly, Sean Kemp was there, and he was like slam dunking while while this thing was going on. Uh, like participating in the seminar, or I no, know, just he, there on the side. It's a very fuzzy memory. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> but, uh, I think he was like, it, I want to say it was like on a military base here or something. And I, I don't know if it was like a meet and greet or, but Sean Kemp was there and he was doing like windmill dunks um, on the oh. side during the seminar. It was pretty cool. Maybe they're good, <laughs> maybe they're good friends. Oh, crazy and Sean Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, because if you think about that, jujitsu wasn't that popular when yeah. we were growing up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wasn't really into that much martial arts, but yeah. I think it's more of a recent thing, like after 2000s. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of got exposed to it, right? And then you started training in college. What is the motivation? Did you always want to stick with it and kind of keep progressing? Was that the drive or was it more like stress relief or workout? Or Yeah, I think, I think yeah. I was just looking for like a fun workout to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're just a college kid, you have tons of energy and you want to like blow off some aggression and whatnot. <laughs> I, th- I think that was it. I don't. I don't. I can't really recall. Yeah. Maybe too many hits to the head, man. I don't. I don't really remember. It's kind of fuzzy. So, <laughs> everything's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. That's gonna yeah. be the theme. Yeah. So you're. You have two younger brothers. Yes. Right. Yeah. How? What's the age difference between you guys? Uh, we're all two years apart. Two years apart. Yeah. So as you started training in college, you know, at these different gyms and stuff, who's the better? grappler and oh me by, by, by far, far. Yeah. smartest and best looking too yeah um. so you always got the better of them yeah, yeah. but um it must be good to you know have people going through the same process with you yeah. probably yeah. around the same skill level because you guys all oh, yeah. start similar times right and all of that so what have you think about like from the from the first time that you stepped into jujitsu class or let's start there what was it like starting out because a lot of people probably go through this same thing you know when they start out martial arts for the first time what was it like for you jeez uh i remember getting hurt a lot <laughs> like i would say like not this is like i'm some old timer or something but uh it's like maybe 15 plus years ago I just remember it was a training was a little different now or back then than it is now it was definitely a lot more aggro especially at an <laughs> mma gym yeah. uh back then so i i mean we, we were doing a lot of crazy stuff we would uh, boss routine would teach like things like uh, I don't know rib compressions and uh, like things that feel like it was gonna like collapse your chest yeah. and a lot of like catch wrestling a lot of heel hooks so they'd be teaching us like heel hooks on like the first first day kind of thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, pretty dangerous maneuvers that they usually don't do nowadays mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was pretty rough I remember like spraining my ankle because I got like thrown on the ground the first day yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, like I remember breaking a couple ribs because like someone like picked me up and like slammed me on the ground uh, maybe like a month or two in uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a lot it was pretty rough um, mm. yeah a lot of big crazy dudes there's a lot of like uh, pro MMA fighters that would come through there mm. like Kimbo Slice was back there back in the day oh. a lot of the boss Rutan IFL guys I remember Mark getting to train with Mark Hominick mm. back in the day. It was pretty cool. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of like really tough dudes. Yeah, that's crazy. So in the beginning, when you were in college, could you make pretty good amount of time for this, or was it more like ah, just kind of going and seeing what it's about? I probably would train a couple times a week, maybe oh, okay. at least three to five times a week. Yeah, but I was school full time, working usually two or three days a week. Got it. Um, and then commuting because the gym was actually like forty five minutes away. Oh, I see. So, yeah, we used I to see. commute quite a while. Got it. Uh, you know, I've known you being into all of this MMA stuff and then, you know, training in all of these different ways. Before that, was there, did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, a little, just a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, soccer, football, baseball, some tennis. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Everything kind of growing up like a yeah. local kid. Yeah. yeah. Just did you play stuff. in high school too? A lot no, of those? I, I didn't really do anything in high school. Okay. Kind of goofed around too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but even just yeah. even just growing up, you know, and playing it, you develop all these different skills, right? Yeah. And then you kind of develop things that probably help you in grappling and martial arts and all of that today. So let's kind of fast forward through college, right? You moved and you went to PA school. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Were you always interested in being a physician assistant, yet alone orthopedics? Or what was kind of your thought process for those that are looking to get into the medical field too yeah well i i actually i i was doing biotech so i, I graduated with biotechnology from cal state northridge um and i was just doing that and i was actually doing a lot of research in my last year a lot of like lab stuff and it was just not for me um i was like i, I think i need to do something different yeah. so uh, i just applied to a bunch of pa schools i didn't really think it, it through a lot i was like this seems cool I've seen a PA, dermatology PA when I, for skin issues when I was growing up. I was like, I'm going to try this. Okay. And ended up getting into uh, one of the first schools I, I applied to interviewing and just kind of made the leap. Mm-hmm. And, yep. or, as far as orthopedics, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I always um, gravitated towards the procedural fields. Mm-hmm. I, I like the stuff that's pretty hands-on. Yeah. Um, it's more fun to me. I, I don't like managing blood pressures and sugars and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Plus, um, jujitsu, you know, it's like all orthopedics, right? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a self-sustaining business model because <laughs> yeah. you get all these uh, self-referrals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about the injuries and all of that. So once you were in PA school, I'm sure you had to do rotations in all the different fields. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with PA programs, yeah. but in all the different fields, did orthopedics just click from the beginning? Or was there other things that you thought, hey, maybe this field is interesting as well? Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked uh, ortho probably probably top three. I like ortho. I like derm. I liked uh, emergency medicine. Got yeah. it. Just more exciting fields, especially as like a young guy. Those are kind of mm-hmm. you get to do a lot a lot of procedures. Yeah. yeah. So how did you find time with PA school? Pretty intensive, right? Clinical hours, yeah. and studying, and all of that because it's a two year program, right? Uh, three year. Oh, yeah. three year program. Yeah. So how did you find time? balancing all the school commitments clinicals and still continuing to train oh i i didn't it oh, was, didn't it was pretty okay. irregular uh, <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> it was it was basically uh being pretty out of shape and then showing up once every week or two and getting beaten up pretty badly uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so talk about like at that stage you're probably training for a few years yeah right yeah and then you know enough to like understand what's going on you're you're a little bit more advanced and you know know the basics at least right yeah so when you got to that stage well what belt were you and like how experienced were you and was it something that i guess you still wanted to continue to do when i was in nebraska yes <laughs> oh yeah i was i was um as far as like i still wanted to train you mm-hmm. mean uh yeah I, I was a white belt I because mm-hmm. we were just doing nogi and MMA, oh, basically. Got it. Got it. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty much MMA gym that I trained at there. There was no jiu-jitsu gyms in Lincoln um, oh, okay. when I lived there. There is now. I actually Googled, and there's like three or four. Oh. There's, a, there's a bunch of different stuff now. But, uh, yeah, at the time, there really wasn't any. Mm. We used to train at just the MMA gym, and then they had a small boxing gym in the city, too. Oh, got it. Oh, so yeah. majority of this time, undergrad and PA school, it wasn't jiu-jitsu so much. It was just MMA in general. Yeah, jiu-jitsu thrown in there, but... It's not like the formal like belt system and yeah, moving up, exactly. none of that. So that was more when you came back to Hawaii. Yeah, I was like, I uh, gotta do, find something to do with my time that's constructive and 
It's healthy. That's healthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. that's how I came back to uh, jujitsu. I had trained uh, under Rylan Lazares at um, Icon Sport, where uh, it was an MMA gym um, in uh, Ainahaina or New Valley. Okay. Um, so I had trained under Rylan there in the past when I was going to school, and I would come back oh, and whatnot. I, I had friends who trained there. I knew him. He was a great teacher and super technical. So I was like, yeah. oh, I gotta. I'll go if I'm gonna train under someone. I'm gonna go train under Rylan. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that kind of con- completes that loop. So, you know, it makes sense, like, all of these experiences, right? It kind of led you to, you know, it's more than a hobby, I would say. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just something that you do for fun, but it's part of your lifestyle, right? I mean, you, you're con- constantly training when you have time, right? Yeah. And then you're still progressing. I believe you're a brown belt. Yes. So, yeah. 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 Uh, how long have you been training consistently to get to the level that you are? Jeez, like uh, I think 10 or 11 years yeah. I've been there, yeah. Yeah. As I graduated and came back to Hawaii in 2010. Yeah. Got it. And then I started training, I think, in 2011. Got I it. Took, it took like a year to, to get my feet at work. Um, <laughs> you know, just working like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, because you've been training for so long, right? And you're kind of progressing along the way. Let's talk about what is it that you've kind of learned from jiu-jitsu especially and it can be anything in a minute we'll, we'll talk about uh the injuries and all of these kind of things but what have you learned what like if someone either themselves or their kid was saying you know i'm thinking about training jiu-jitsu right what are some of the things that you've learned along the way that helps you in life in life yeah. putting me on the spot man uh I wish you sent me some questions ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is all, yeah. No, it's all ad yeah. Okay. Um, I think some of the biggest takeaways I've, I use in my life is, and just in my professional life as well, is like in stressful situations, mm-hmm. the ability to keep a cool head, yeah. stay calm in bad situations, bad positions in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I, I think staying calm, even when we we're being stressful surgeries or mm. difficult cases, like like I am now. I'm not in orthopedics now, but um, still, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that comes up last minute that you're unexpect, not expecting, and just kind of being able to be comfortable yeah. in these difficult times and yeah. situations. Yeah, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. I could probably write an essay on this, man. That's yeah. a that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I, I let me. I got to think on that more. No, there's a lot of carryover <laughs> with any sports, right? But even jujitsu, like especially the philosophy of jujitsu. I think yeah. that. You know, so full full disclaimer, like when I first started at Pro and you were working, you know, at the urgent care, you got me to try jujitsu for oh, about yeah. six months and then I think that was that was oh well, I know that was just your revenge of all the things that I did with you when we were rehabbing. So yes. then, yeah, you would just uh just really beat me up for like an hour, right? <laughs> but yeah, but it was, it was, it was great. interesting to <laughs> it was great. It was interesting to learn like the philosophy, the concepts and like why you do certain things, right? And the technique, I guess, the technical side, because like yeah. you said, it's not, it's not just uncontrolled grappling, right? There's a lot of technique, especially when you start to learn the basics, right? So a lot of that carries over, I think, into other aspects of oh, sports, yeah. life, all of those kind of things. So as you started progressing, right? Well, explain a little bit just for the listeners out there, what is like the progression like? And jujitsu, from my understanding, it takes a lot longer to move up in ranks or belts, mm. right? Because of the way that the curriculum or whatever is set up, right, versus other martial arts. So explain just briefly to someone that doesn't know anything about jujitsu, like what is it like to become a black belt? Please. 
Yeah. I can tell you what it's like to become a brown belt. Okay, let's start. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. What is it like to become a brown belt? Uh, it's a slow degradation of style and uh, skill and uh, overall body composition. No, I'm. Just, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, we we you glossed over the part where we everyone at uh, or everyone that you got rehabbed by you got to beat you up a little bit. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that, that is very true. Yeah, yeah. you would, there would be uh, referrals that yeah. you would send them off, and then you know. So there's yeah. a yeah there's a handful of us that had undergone rehab by Drew um, <laughs> at Pearl uh, yeah. who really got to take it out on Drew because if you can imagine Drew, Drew's uh, for your listeners I don't yeah. know if they know this yeah. but um, you're kind of like you're kind of a hard ass you're kind of a taskmaster yeah. when it comes to rehab yeah. right yeah yeah um, so it's pretty intense yeah, yeah and there's this thing called the ARP that uh, basically is like yeah. uh, this electrocution device that um, Drew likes to use on people and zap them <laughs> repeatedly and then shame them if they don't crank it all the way to the top um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he came to jiu-jitsu we were all like yes we're gonna we're gonna beat you up now we're gonna make him pay for that those yeah. months of pain well when you say it like that it doesn't sound very good yeah. but, but it was all for your guys benefit yeah. 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 but no it was it was good fun i think you know um seeing you guys in that element right yeah. for me especially you know just understanding like when you try different athletics yeah. and sports I understand more about what you guys need to withstand, oh, yeah, what yeah. you guys need to do, what kinds of position and strength you know you need and stuff like that. So honestly, that helped me, even though you guys yeah. were just toying with me and beating me up. That's okay. Yeah, it does help to understand what kinds of things you're going back to. Oh yeah, yeah. No, let's transition sense. into this because for jujitsu, it's so. I would say in relation to other sports, it's very unorthodox what the body needs to do. And I think you would admit that. Like, even, like, something as, like, playing out of the guard. What other sports do you do that? Yeah, right? no. With yes. your core, with your legs, with your arms. Like, yeah. it's such, like, an unorthodox thing. And then I will share this for people maybe that can relate. Even when you guys warm up, when you showed me, like, how to shrimp, I was like, I have never done this in my life before. It's like, not it's, an intuitive movement. It's not an intuitive <laughs> movement. And when you start to do that, you realize, like, Oh, the body it's like completely yeah. different movement patterns and muscles yeah so let's start there first like jujitsu in general technique wise and all of that what have you learned is important obviously like i'll, I'll just kind of lead it up but obviously like flexibility in certain positions oh, like yeah. that's what makes good jujitsu guys right oh yeah but what other things are like important not only to perform but also to make sure that you're not getting kind of injured? injured all the yeah. time right um, geez, that's a, that's a really good question too. I mean, as a older guy, I like a middle-aged guy now. <laughs> not even. Uh, does jujitsu. I think uh, the biggest thing for me is, yeah, not getting hurt. So yeah. um, a lot of it is kind of controlling your level of, I guess, energy or aggression you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. Really not going balls to the wall all the time. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you will get hurt or you're going to hurt someone else. Yeah. But I mean, the stuff that I can only speak on the stuff that I like to do. I mean, a lot of it is like the mobility and flexibility stuff mm-hmm. that I mean, you've taught me mm-hmm. and I, we got to work on a lot because mm-hmm. um, you get in jujitsu. I've heard it described as it's almost kind of like you're you're doing like CrossFit or different lifts and mm-hmm. then someone shakes you or puts you in like a weird position. Yeah. So you, you get kind of these these weird positions that you get put in that yeah. might not your body might not be prepared for. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, keeping 
the flexibility and mobility. Mm-hmm. I really like have given up all the heavy lifting stuff. I've given it up years ago mm-hmm. as I was taught by you, Drew. <laughs> um, because I was getting super tight and I was yeah. getting all kinds of soft tissue injuries. Yeah. So yeah, I, I gave that up and I, I, I feel much better just doing yeah. a lot of different body weight stuff, isometric stuff. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, yeah, that that's what I try to do for injury prevention. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of things we can break down or dive into a little bit more there. One thing about the positions, I don't know, this is just for me, you know, I might show how, how bad I was at it, but uh, getting stacked is like the worst thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting stacked oh, yeah. is like, literally, if you haven't gotten stacked before, like, dude, your neck will be screaming for days. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's like, not Things good. like that, it's like, you don't experience this guy. I yeah. mean, even in like football, how many times do you get stacked like that? Landing Maybe from very briefly, right? Like a second. Yeah, like it's not like yeah. that. So it's completely different types of positions that you gotta be yeah. able to, still be able to get out of or be strong in and all of yeah. that. Yeah. The other thing too is that since you touched, touched on this, I can't remember who, I was just talking to someone briefly about this too, but strength, you know, like whatever you're doing training wise, especially if you're training for some other sport, you need to make sure there's some type of like, you can transfer over that yeah. functionality, right? And like weightlifting and all of that, that's good, but it has to be productive to help you in jujitsu, right? And for every sport, I think there's a simple concept of like, there's a point where like sh- you're strong enough, I guess. Yeah. Because after you get stronger and stronger, there's a point of kind of like diminishing returns yeah. where like you're getting stronger, but it's not applying to your sport. And then a lot of people will start to feel like they're getting tight. Yeah. And if you get too tight with any sport, with whatever you're doing, yeah, I think it has a detrimental effect with what you're doing training wise. And I, you know, we talked about that a lot, especially after your yeah. injury, right? Oh, yeah. That was huge to make sure that you're not placing more stress on yeah. the surgical knee and all of that. So let's jump straight into that now. Right. Let's start with you first. Explain your kind of uh, injury history throughout jujitsu, like the main ones, right? Okay. That were either acute or chronic problems. And then we'll talk about your LCL. Okay. Yeah. I've had just. Honestly, I think my knee injury was the only really serious one. Mm-hmm. I've had a bunch of non-surgical injuries, ankle sprains, rib fractures, uh, labrum tear in my shoulder, my left shoulder, mm-hmm. bunch of spine stuff, little stingers. Um, All from I, jiu-jitsu and martial arts? Yeah, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, uh, martial arts, yeah, I, mm-hmm. car accident, uh, yeah. <laughs> various yeah. things, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, I think the knee was the only serious one. And that was a, a isolated LCL uh, rupture. I think it was like seven years ago. Yeah, when I when it first happened. That's yeah, when actually, I, that sounds about right. Seven years ago. Yeah, just a freak injury, um, which is it's kind of a unique injury. Like we were talking about, um, isolated LCL ruptures uh, is a pretty rare injury in yeah. itself, and it's something that's actually seen pretty often in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually looking this up and I don't think there was any other sports it was known for. Like I saw some yeah. stuff for like maybe gymnastics or rock climbing, but really it's jujitsu that it's yeah. a super common injury, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So to explain this to some of the listeners, so like LCL is the lateral collateral ligament on the outside of your knee. So pretty much your knee has to, a force has to push your knee outwards. So like you're making like bow legged, right? With extreme mm. so that the ligament ruptures. And like you said, it's extremely rare. Before, I think, no, I know for a fact, you're the first LCL tear that I've ever saw. Oh, really? And I was like, oh, this Special. is extremely rare. <laughs> yeah, this is extremely rare. But since then, I think I've only seen maybe like four or five LCLs. Sprains, maybe not surgical repair. Yeah. 
all jujitsu. Yeah. So like I haven't seen any other, you know, in other sports yeah. and stuff like that. So it is rare. Explain a little bit about how you injured your LCL. Um, I was just actually, it was just a freak uh, injury. I was uh, rolling with this guy, Russell Doan. I still remember it. Super nice guy, MMA fighter, used to be in the UFC. And he's like not a, not a crazy aggro dude. He was just rolling really chill. I had him in mount and it was kind of like an, we call it S mount in jiu-jitsu where my knee is kind of almost like in a cross-legged position mm -hmm. on top. And uh, he kind of rolled up on me and my knee got stuck under him. And I, I felt and heard like three like rips. It was like, it was like, it was like a cloth was ripping. Um, Not a pop, like a no, rip. No, it was like a ripping noise. And I was like, oh, that didn't feel or sound very good. Um, but I was able to get up and I kind of walked it off and I was like, oh, I think I'm okay. Um, but like not okay enough to keep training. Yeah. So <laughs> I went home and um, I went to work the next day and I had one of the ortho surgeons I worked with take a look mm -hmm. and he's like, whoa, here, I was pretty loose. And yeah. I was like, no, but I'm, you know, I think I'm walking okay. It feels all right. It's hard to do that exam on yourself to yeah, really yeah, feel, yeah. Um, which I, uh, Jay Marmoto actually later taught me a, a, a how to be able oh, to just, tell on yeah. yourself a little better. Um, but yeah, and then I, I really thought it was just a, a grade one or maybe even a grade two sprain. Ended up uh, getting an MRI uh, of my knee, which showed a complete rupture. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, or actually, no, I think, I think it, on the MRI, it was kind of equivocal. It looked like a possible rupture, but it, it wasn't definitive. Okay. Uh, so I ended up seeing uh, Dr. Jay Marmoto, mm -hmm. a great surgeon who, um, took one look at the MRI and then like, felt my knee for like five seconds and he, he was like, well, yeah. yeah, you're gonna need to do surgery on this uh, soon. Yeah. Um, Cause it's one of those injuries, I guess, uh, if the ligament is still somewhat intact or, or somewhat approximated, they can repair it, which is mm -hmm. a smaller surgery. Mm -hmm. um, if you leave it for a while, it tends to turn into a bigger surgery where you have to reconstruct the ligament. Mm -hmm then is much, much bigger surgery. So I was like, oh shoot, I guess I, guess I have to do it. So I, I, went in, I, I went in there thinking I was just gonna do a little bit of therapy and rehab and walked out getting like surgery, I think uh, like yeah, yeah. two or three days yeah. later, which was a pretty brutal surgery too. Yeah. It is pretty rough. I mean, the incision right down the whole lateral side of your oh, yeah. knee and then yeah, it was it's like, a pretty big incision. It was yeah. like, I wanna say like a, almost like a 15 centimeter like incision yeah. on my leg, um, pretty painful. Yeah. And um, non-weight bearing, I want to say for like maybe a month, maybe six weeks, yeah. um, maybe maybe a month. Um, yeah. it's, it was pretty brutal. I thought I was pretty tough, uh, but after that surgery, I was in it's, pretty yeah. unbearable pain. So yeah. it's pretty rough. <laughs> and you know, to like kind of elaborate on some of the things we talked about. So in jujitsu, right? You have like in this guard position, basically you're. It's like if you were to cross your legs in a figure four position, right? Yeah. You're like hip externally rotated. A lot of stress is on the LCL to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you don't have that hip mobility, more stress on the LCL. Yeah. If you don't have strength in that position, more stress on the LCL, yeah. right? Because you can't control. So, And I, I think know. it was the guy's body weight coming up That's on my leg too. too. Yeah. And me just and I, I didn't recognize it as a, a dangerous position. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen uh, other people get injured one guy in my gym he actually tore same injury as me but actually he also injured the posterior lateral corner mm. um he was just uh standing up and i guess the guy was kind of coming under him trying to almost do like a leg attack from the bottom mm. like a we call it a reap in yeah. jiu-jitsu 
and it it tore his his LCL. So yeah. um, we always in jujitsu kind of make fun of like, oh, the reap is is so dangerous, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, in a joking way. But uh, that's a guy I actually saw tear his L- LCL, Got getting it. his knee reaped. Other guys, I think, like. There's, there's a bunch of famous people. Gordon Ryan tore his LCL. Mm. Uh, Kira Gracie, I think she was playing like a rubber mm. guard, like, you know, yeah. kind of forcing the leg in almost yeah. like a triangle kind of-ish position. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. pretty and, funky. And, you know, like, well, a little bit orthopedics, right? Like with sprains and stretching of the ligament, right? Over time, it just gets more and more lax, right? Oh, yeah. So I wonder, like, just because of how often you're in that position, because how often do people you know other than jujitsu go into this position yeah. right stressing that area i wonder if it's just like you're creating extra stress and laxity in that lateral side posterior lateral corner so then some of these like unseemingly not too intense or not too much force yeah. type of trauma it's just like the last straw and it just it's already kind it. of a yeah. stretch it's almost partially torn probably yeah yeah, yeah. i'd bet because it doesn't seem like that sh- that should do it but yeah. yeah so i mean working on the guard position that extreme stress on that side right that's one thing knees it's not your typical knees it's not like well don't get me wrong there has been acls you know like hyperextension knee bars and you know even other things like if you get twisted in a certain yeah. way but lcl seem to be relatively like put it this way not as rare as it should be in jujitsu or in life right there's a lot of lcl trauma but thinking along those lines basically every submission is like a you know we kind of joke about it orthopedic stress test right? like if you think about it like it's all of our special tests but what other common things have you seen and i know you've seen a lot because they always go to you when when something happens right so what what kinds of injuries typically have you seen from jujitsu mma oh man just other people injured kind of thing yeah Uh, tons tons of sprains i mean Mm -hmm. finger injuries toe injuries dislocations sprains the gnarly ones are always like uh, the dislocations, yeah. like a uh, bunch, a lot of shoulder dislocations, yeah. elbow. The worst one being the knee dislocation that yeah. I at one time got to reduce. Yeah, Man. you know who I'm talking about. You ended up rehabbing the guy as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, bad, bad, bad yeah. Um, injuries. Yeah, uh, I would say for the most part, like I don't want to paint jujitsu as this dangerous thing. For the most mm-hmm. part, I mean, I'll, I'll go, I'll go months without seeing anything significant, yeah. but. Just the small things. Like I, I saw a guy today who had a, a thumb sprain, a UCL sprain, ulnar collateral ligament on the inside of the thumb. Mm-hmm. He was just like, he said he was um, sparring uh, the day before and his thumb just got caught. He didn't think much of it. But yeah, it took a look today and it, it looks like he, yeah, he has a pretty decent sprain, at least a, a grade two yeah. um, that we're going to just make sure he gets follow-up on. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy too because, well, I we... You know we're on the same age so kind of dating ourselves a little bit but we kind of grew up when i mean i remember seeing like the ufc tournaments you know the ones that really had no rules right oh, yeah. it was like no way for us multiple fights in yeah, one night. All the, and you see some of those things to what it has come now which is good right there's more structure more rules of course athletes and everyone has gotten more i guess advanced the level of mma now is you know i think a lot more advanced than what it was before but the sport is still relatively new. I mean, if you yeah. think about it compared to like football or basketball, oh, yeah. you know, when it was at this stage, MMA is so new. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because of that, one of the things that I think, you know, this might be my athletic trainer hat, but a lot of the injuries 
they don't really know what resources or where to go to or what kinds of things need to be done because I don't know how it is like in most big gyms but you know luckily they have you who's orthopedic you know versed in orthopedics right that can actually look at something but a lot of these guys if they get injured it's just gonna be like shake it off and then try to keep going right yeah so what we'll talk we'll both kind of discuss this but to anyone that's training mma right whether that's trying to compete or just leisurely recreationally what are the steps that should be taken to make sure that you get checked out especially after an injury because sometimes it's not just a minor injury like i mean like your lcl is a good example you could have easily gone like i think i'm okay wait like a couple weeks but then after a couple weeks it might be like okay now we're in a worse situation than what no and and that's extremely common i've actually had a bunch of teammates or different friends i've had come up to me with injuries like that where it's like i'm like when did this happen (laughs) and you're like three months ago yeah you're like oh like your your knee you like you tore your acl and i think you've been walking on this thing um or of course tons of meniscus injuries Mm -hmm. things like that that people just kind of sit around and deal with and yeah yeah, it's not but yeah that's unfortunately extremely common I think jiu-jitsu and MMA are two different answers, but mm-hmm. I think for the most part, MMA, it's still kind of a grassroots sport. It's not like there's yeah. like, like even the guy, UFC guys that um, I, I know, they, they it's not like they have like a, a great like uniform medical policy or, mm-hmm. or something where, where they, they're covered well and they have all yeah. these other issues. So yeah, it's kind of tricky. I, I think just getting plugged in with a, a good primary care doctor, mm-hmm. having a good orthopedic doctor that you yeah. know, or sports medicine doctor, yeah. someone someone that you can rely on to, to see these things, especially if you're a pro athlete, mm-hmm. uh, it's incredibly important. Yeah. So I, I do see a lot of these pro athlete MMA guys who don't don't have that, and they they suffer through a lot of injuries. Yeah. That they're just so tough. They they're kind of yeah. too tough for their own good. Yeah. Uh, they just suck it up, and then you're like, holy smokes, you've had like this UCL torn for like six months, and you haven't done yeah. anything, um, or your your ankle is like been sprained and not rehabbed, and it's it's you can't yeah. run, you can't do anything right now. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So very very common. Yeah, and I, I agree, especially in Hawaii, right? Like MMA is pretty big here. I don't know a lot of MMA guys, right? But there has been guys that we've worked with or helped with um, and some overlap there. But I think that's one of their strengths, right? Is that they're so tough, sometimes too tough for their own good that they just push through, which is what makes you successful as a MMA fighter. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I think what they don't realize, even though you're tough and going through all of this, there's certain things that are taken away from the performance, right? Oh, yeah. Like for sure, there's only so much that you can do that before the body starts to say, oh, hold on, we're gonna start breaking ourselves down, right? Oh yeah. And I think that's the message is that, you know, it's not like, you find a good orthopedic surgeon, you find a good like rehab specialist, you yeah. find good people that know what how to treat athletes. The goal is not to keep you out. The no. goal is to help you to keep training at whatever stage and keep letting you, you know, perform better. Oh, right? yeah. And I think that's the that's the message is that when you have people that deal with these types of athletes and need you to or have that understanding how to keep that performance at a high level. Those are the guys that will help you to make sure that it doesn't turn into a bigger issue. Because yes, we've seen many times, um, we've had Yancey talk on the podcast oh, too, yeah. you know, multiple times. It's like, there's certain things from, you know, years and years ago that you're just working around. And before you know it, it's like five, seven, eight years later, right? It's like, yeah. man, that problem that I've been working around, it just turned into this big issue that's really declining oh, my yeah. performance. Yeah. So, you know, go get it checked out. I would say, make sure that, 
you get it checked out and you follow up, I think, because that tells you a lot. If you follow up and it's not healing well, it's not going according yeah. to plan, and not only follow up with like the doctor, right, but follow up with like people that train you. Because oh, yeah. if you're not able to, it could be healed, but if your training is not where it was, there's a lot of things that you have to yeah. progress back to, and that will save you from future injuries too. Oh right? yeah. Do you have anything else to say about these common injuries and like, I guess anything to build off of that, right? Because no. we've seen it a, a lot more than yeah. more often than not. I, I think you touched on it as well. So not just like, not just a, uh, a sports medicine or orthopedic doctor, but having good like trainers mm-hmm. ther- or good therapists or rehab uh, that you, you work with. And I think suffering through my own injury mm-hmm. um, where I needed all that um, opened my eyes because, you know, as a PA or even the doctors that I work with a lot, there's not a lot of focus on um, rehab and performance, mm-hmm. very little on performance mm-hmm. um, during your training years. Just eye opening how, how much there is out yeah. there and how important uh having a good trainer therapist rehab yeah. all that is for your recovery and especially if you're a pro athlete i mean yeah even at like a, for a relatively grassroots sports like mma mm-hmm. it's super important because yeah. it's still a small sport and it's like you're, you're your own advocate so yeah. you, you have to really uh make sure you're plugged in well yeah 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 and to build off of that too knowing what you want to get back to because getting back to jujitsu, like how I had to rehab you and, you know, yeah, we did a lot of the basic stuff in the beginning. But as we started to get further and further, like yeah. you said, the hip mobility and things like that, oh, yeah. core strength and all of that. You need that for every activity. But yeah. for jujitsu specifically, that's going to be way different than playing basketball on the weekends. Oh, yeah. Or that's going to be even more different than if you were just like you just wanted to go on leisurely walks and hikes. Right. So I think there's all different degrees that you need to make sure that you're prepared for or your body can tolerate. And definitely if you're a competitive athlete or pro sports, there's a huge gap from just like physical therapy or, you know, like basic rehab to getting back to like, can I strengthen condition? Can I handle sparring? Can I, you know, withstand all the conditions that I need to withstand for your safety for one, but so that you can actually perform how you want to. Yeah. I think that's it, man. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's really like touches on all the bases of of, yeah. of what's important. Yeah, because I mean the injuries will come. Yeah. You're gonna get injured at some point. Yeah. Um, it just hopefully nothing catastrophic. Yeah. Hopefully it's stuff that's rehabable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So think about your LCL repair, right? I mean the rehab was tough. It was gonna be tough, right? And you know even though you joke about you know like how much we pushed you and all of this, <laughs> it was. Um, I think you felt it difference as the months went on right oh yeah and in the beginning yeah it's super rough i mean just getting past the pain the hard thing was that you were still working relatively soon after i think oh yeah yeah even just even if you're not on your feet just you know gravity blood flow swelling all that what can you what do you remember about the rehab process i think i returned to work like on the second or third day (laughs) um which was not smart (laughs) yeah um i think that I remember being pretty excruciating pain for a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I think with, so I had, I, I was lucky uh, because I, I worked with Drew and I worked with all the, the different surgeons and the, the big company there. So I got to basically rehab every day, um, which made a huge difference. So, I mean, I was back on the mats, like just doing light stuff, like just doing basic drilling, probably in like six weeks, um, which was not advised and shouldn't was is not recommended um but like i could move i could i could do light stuff it was probably like six months before i i did any significant rolling but i mean that's still pretty ahead of the curve so i mean 
the rehab that you guys had us on was was awesome. So I mean, it, it really in the first few weeks, focusing on getting the swelling and inflammation down, yeah. getting the nerves and nervous system to start firing again, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Because I mean, you're you're months ahead of of the curve if you yeah. can get that going. Yeah, and to give a little bit of a snippet or insight, yeah, we focus a lot on the nervous system like neuromuscularly because if the muscle can't fire if the nerves can't fire you know and all of that you're really going to have a hard time getting range of motion back you know getting that strength back getting all the advanced stuff back to you but i do remember um so that it's coming back to me now like i do remember that you were like rolling sooner than i was like oh this is kind of soon the the one reason i know i would joke with you a lot and be like you know whatever do do whatever you want to do but it's because you had that knowledge so I know that you don't want to go through this surgery again. Oh, yeah. You don't want to do anything to screw up your knee. But at the same time, like, I think it showed you, like, how much of that rehab part made a difference. Oh, yeah. And I had enough trust in you, like, okay, you're going to do it anyway. So, you know, just be safe. If anything, I would give you, like, some guidelines, like, make sure this doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, in other areas of your body, right? Because then the compensatory mechanism up and down the chain is just going to be tragic. I, I just had a flashback of, yeah. like, um, that time when I basically, I wrote, I think I, I trained with this massive knee brace under my yeah. gi pants. Yeah. And um, I would routinely just whack people in the face with it by accident. <laughs> um, and everyone hated rolling with me. I remember that. Um, just I was always, like, people were getting their fingers stuck in there. Or yeah, I was yeah. hitting people with it. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I hope that never happens to again. <laughs> yeah. that those were not good times. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there were so many things, but I was surprised with how well you were progressing, I think. And, you know, understanding, understanding about your injuries, your limitations, what you can do that's productive, yeah. I think. Because yeah. a lot of people want to get back, but it's like, is it going to be productive? Because if it's going to be a setback, and then a couple months, you're going to, have to deal with the consequences oh, yeah. you want to try to avoid that but if it's going to be a productive way of getting back i think that's huge yeah. because then you'll start to build off of that and get back to all the things that you want to do right oh yeah so since then i'm sure you've been training pretty consistently right i think uh, so. for the most part this yeah. covid kind of threw a, a threw wrench, a wrench. and all that <laughs> yeah. for the most part but yeah. i mean okay to to give you a, a lot of credit actually like when i actually see you roll and do all that kind of stuff like I don't think you say enough, but you're you're pretty damn good. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a, you can you can hold your own with you know like people that you're in there with. It's not like a basic class that you're going to. I'm de- I'm definitely a mediocre hobbyist at best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that. <laughs> yeah, but it is good to see like you know that your knee can withstand all of this. Yeah, and yeah. that it's like you said, what seven years, seven maybe. A, yeah, seven years later. And it's like, how how has your knee been since then, I guess? Since that first year, how has it been since then? Any problems? No, I mean, uh, I think it honestly took me probably like a year to feel really good on my knee. And maybe two years before I just didn't even think about my knee anymore. Yeah, um, I'm still uh, trying to always be conscious of the positions I'm putting my joints in a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the big takeaways I, I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so always trying to just... Pay attention to my mobility and my positions of my body, yeah. proprioception of everything. But yeah, I, I haven't had any issues with it, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, I really just focus on keeping mobility of my knees, my hips, keeping that flexibility there as yeah. well. And I try to keep some conditioning to it. I do a lot. Of, I mm-hmm. still do a lot of the those horrible isometric exercises, yeah. the yeah. wall squats, the isometric lunges. I, I still do those uh-huh. almo- almost uh, a couple times a week. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to keep yeah. it there. And it's... 
it's so painful i don't know if you've ever talked about the isometric stuff you yeah. guys have people do we haven't talked too much about okay. it we can talk okay. about <laughs> it yeah. yeah so it's basically all the worst exercises that they would make you do like as a kid when you goofed off the, the coach would be like get over there and do me like five five ten minutes of wall squats that's what drew <laughs> five does ten to you. minutes is a little yeah. exaggeration but well, okay yeah. okay uh, well, yeah, he'd, he'd break it up into yeah. rounds or something and then and basically like isometric lunges so holding the deepest lunge you can hold and yeah. holding that for time and um he, he would give you these workouts and it would always be those first and you want to get to the fun exercises but he's like you got to do five minutes of that first <laughs> and it's like five minutes in each leg yeah. which doesn't sound bad until you actually try it and then yeah. you realize that you can only hold it for about like 30 seconds at a time <laughs> and that five minute yeah. exercise takes you about 45 minutes uh, um, so yeah still do yeah. a lot of that stuff yeah. i look like the weirdo at the gym doing that sometimes yeah. um it's it's, it's a good. very <laughs> i would say it's a very unorthodox philosophy yeah and honestly i didn't i wasn't exposed to that until i came to pro and it's not the only thing that we do but basically we do long duration isometrics yeah. to get more of that neuromuscular firing and control it and works. build off of yeah. yeah and it it works to not only get your muscles firing but it helps to get your muscles to fire in length like yeah. you kind of mentioned and it really teaches your body like how not to compensate like basically yeah. we're trying to imprint the way that your body wants to move and fire and we're just doing that in a very very you know drawn out long way that, oh, that very is painful. Yeah. yeah and then the the ironic thing is why i think everyone it's like a hate love relationship yeah. because since you've done it i think you've experienced a lot more benefit oh yeah right, from it absolutely doing it it's very intense it's like the worst thing that you could ever do oh, if yes. you're doing it right yes and the ironic thing is that this is unlike other things because the better that you get at it like the more voluntarily you can activate your muscles, the more intense you make it for yourself. Yes. So a couple months down the line, you're better at it, but you made it feel more like death, right? You made yeah, it feel like way more worse. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's how you get better at these <laughs> exercises. But it does help to keep your body like, you know, tuned up, lengthened out, yeah. helps to create that strength and mobility. Yeah. And you get more benefit when you start to do other types of training too. Yeah. So yeah, you're the first one that we really dove deep. A lot of the guests have, you know done the same long duration isometrics we kind of joke joke how torturous it is or whatever yes but i'm not doing this for my benefit it's all for your guys this, benefit the, i would say the long duration isometrics are also why we wanted to beat you up in jiu-jitsu <laughs> yeah. uh <laughs> yeah that and the, oh actually you forgot to mention you would combine the arp with that with that yeah so you would zap us <laughs> while we're trying to hold ourselves in a lunge for five minutes yeah um and then you're getting electrocuted and having involuntary <laughs> muscle spasms it was great yeah. it was yeah <laughs> you can see there's like some ptsd yeah. Yeah, and stuff but no like there's there's a lot of different things and i will say now since i'm you know off doing my own thing i still use a lot of the same yeah. core exercises but i don't have an arp here so you know like if people need stuff now i don't have the arp so you know that, that's a that's, <laughs> that's a positive i guess yes. um okay so moving on from that you know we talked a lot about that let's talk about just general I think this is where we overlap a lot. Me being an athletic trainer, you being like, now you're not in orthopedics, but no. a good chunk of your career, you're in orthopedics, yep. right? So just switching gears to anything outside of jujitsu, right? Let's talk about orthopedic injuries and some of the things that you've seen as a practicing, you know, PAC down there. And what are some of the messages, especially for, I would say the younger athletes, like anyone from like, let's go intermediate school to like college, right? When they're competing competitively, mm -hmm. 
what are some of the common things that you got to recall a little bit it's been a few years but what are the common themes that if you were to get information out there to parents to these young athletes common injuries common things to be aware of and i'll kind of elaborate from my angle too or my perspective what are some of the messages that you have relating to orthopedic injuries sports injuries she's a good question as far as uh things i I see that maybe could have prevented them or anything um, common themes trends prevention things even treatment and making sure you're getting seen you know what what is it that were some of the big themes that you experience, especially during the school year, I guess, when they're all physically active? Well, in, in my own position, part of what we did was uh, the whole mission, I think, of, of that uh, orthopedic urgent care was to improve access to orthopedic care, uh, which is really hard, uh, at least pre-COVID. Um, I mean, when there was tons of sports going on, um, it was just just slammed to get in to see an orthopedic surgeon or sports medicine doctor. So why we opened that was to improve Hawaii's access to uh basically orthopedic care mm-hmm. in a walk-in basis. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you could get your x-rays, you could get your workups, you could get MRIs, physical therapy, different types of injections. You could get all that in a walk-in basis. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think, super helpful. So uh, uh, the vast majority of the sports injuries I saw, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just they're just accidents. Um, I mean, to, to a certain degree, I think having a good trainer, having mm-hmm. a good uh, strength and conditioning program to just keep yourself as strong as possible, as mobile as possible is, is huge, especially for these younger kids who maybe aren't as developed, just working with someone who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, to a certain degree, I mean, I don't know how many of them are preventable. So, yeah, I'm trying to think back. Yeah. Uh, even as far as like something jujitsu specific, I, w- I would probably say the majority of injuries I see in jujitsu are, are um, from sports side are, are probably training injuries. So just kind of training smarter, having a good coach that's that's hands on watching yeah. you, helping to guide the training, making sure not, nothing you don't have the crazy guy in class hurting people, yeah. things things like that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And then you know exactly like what you said. A lot of the injuries, even if they're not preventable, I think having some type of facility that you can be seen on a walk-in basis, or just having getting seen by the right professionals. Yes. Right, yeah. because. You know, everyone's going to have their specialty, I guess. And I, I, you know, we have our specialty, right? It's Mm -hmm. more this orthopedic side of things and dealing with more of the active population, right? But I think the worst thing is to go just get seen and just rest. And then when the pain is gone, (laughs) jump back into it. I think that's the number one thing that I would say gets people in trouble. And over time, it's going to start to get like have this cumulative effect where like oh it was not that bad before six months later okay it's kind of bad now a year later it's like well i can't even participate (laughs) a year and a half later it's like i should go see the doctor well we wasted that whole year and a half where you could have just done the right things like either strength wise rehab wise that you would have been back in like you know a couple months at the least right oh yeah so i think like having knowing what resources there are on the island Fortunately, in high school athletics, there's a lot of athletic trainers yep. in the high school. And I know you guys worked a lot with athletic trainers because they would, you know, send some of the athletes that needed to get seen by orthopedic specialists. So I think just knowing what resources you have, if you're outside of the traditional athletic environment, like MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, even other types of places, know what types of resources and professionals there are that you can go get seen if it's any type of sports injury, right? More so than just, you know, the 
minor things that doesn't even keep you out of a practice. We're talking about you got hurt, like your LCL, right? Cannot continue training that practice, even though you're like, I think I'm okay, right? But still, yeah, yeah you went to get seen by our colleague and then just to be safe because, you know, worst case scenario, at least you're getting the right treatment. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Again, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things like we mentioned earlier. Um, it happens a lot where we, yeah. see, we see missed diagnosis for a lot of things. A lot of, a lot of like sprains, a lot of sprains, yeah. a lot of meniscus stuff, um, kind of not, not really caught. Yeah. Um, even like rotator cuff injuries that turn into full tears down the yeah. line, things like that. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, it's pretty common. So I think, yeah, being plugged in with your primary care, having those good specialists to follow up with that you at least know of or, or can call. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's so true. And, you know, hopefully anyone listening out there, you can... At least it gets you exposed to this, right? Talking to someone that has seen all of these injuries, cared and evaluated them, just making sure that you do get it checked out and taken care of so that it doesn't turn into a bigger issue. But enough of the orthopedic kind of spiel. So, you know, I know you're still training, training as regularly as you can. You say that it's just like a, you know, you're turning into a just a recreational hobby. But I know that when you train, you are like, you know, you're giving it your all, I would say. <laughs> For the most part, right? But what what other things like messages or um, what things do you look forward to, I guess? What's the goal with this? Do you want to be like coaching people in the future oh, or do you no, want to just... Okay, absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> so, I do this for fun. For fun. <laughs> Is this something... So explain, but you have I think, two I kids, think, right? Yeah, I think I think that's actually my goal with jiu-jitsu is I want to train with my kids yeah. when and uh, teach with them and or teach them and get to train with them when they're older yeah. as well. So, How old is your oldest now? Uh, my daughter's five and my son is three. Yeah. Oh, it's already five years old. Yeah. Crazy. So then, you know, when do people, when do kids like in the kids class, when do they start? Um, actually three to, f- I think four or five actually. Oh, got is it. the youngest kids class in jiu-jitsu. Got it. Yeah. So we're talking a little bit off air, but what you started, your kids started some type of martial arts, right? So what, what are they doing now? Oh, my kids are doing, uh, they do a bunch of sports. My daughter does soccer and ballet and okay. uh, judo. My son judo. does judo and uh, gymnastics. Got it. Yeah, so try to keep them busy. Yeah. At that young age, what do they do for like judo? Just learn the basics? Or- yeah, I think um, they just started, but it, it's, I think it's a lot of just learning the basics, learning how to yeah, fall, fall, learning how to catch themselves so they don't hit their head, yeah. thing, things like that. Learning just like to listen, um, yeah, yeah. not not be crazy, and yeah. then, uh, like uh, basically basic stances in, yeah. in judo, things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know, even soccer, it's complete chaos. Um, they're just learning how to kick the ball somewhat. Kick the ball, um, and I think sportsmanship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you take any martial arts when you were that young, like their age? Uh, I think I, I did. I think I did judo when I was five or six. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was just judo. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually, that's the one, you know, like every, when you're growing up, I would say every sport kind of gives you, you know, something like if you think more of the ball sports or baseball, right? A lot of hand-eye coordination, right? Yeah. That you get to develop. But in martial arts, especially, you know, I think when I was a little kid, I took like Aikido for a little bit. Okay. But you learn how to like fall. Yeah. That's the one thing. Because like, even in other sports, like when you play like contact oh, that, sports or whatever, that's a you life can skill. tell the people that, <laughs> you can tell the people that know how to fall. Yeah. Or the ones that just like, you know, it's kind of like any kind, right? And then oh, before yeah. you know it, it just looks like, man, every time you fall, it's like you're going to get hurt, right? That, that might save your life later. I mean, like yeah. you know, falling down a hill or snowboarding yeah. or 
I mean, just when you're old, <laughs> just when you're old. Your yeah. 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 So, you know, those kind of basic skills, we sometimes overlook, like take it for granted. Like, oh yeah, it does have a lot of carryover in life. Right? Yeah. So on that note, you know, your kids are in all these activities, you know, hopefully one day they can train with you and all of that. Any other uh, plans with jujitsu? No, no. Oh. Well, no. I mean, you train with a lot of the high level guys, right? And you're, I don't know if it's gi or no gi or whatever, but you still train with a lot of the guys that may be looking to compete, right? Yeah, I would say so. I think our you know. gym, it's not like a release competition heavy jiu-jitsu you know. gym. It, there's, there's like the MMA team guys, of course, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, yeah, it's more of a hobbyist gym. Yeah. So it's pretty laid back, which is good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. You don't have yeah. to get injured all the time. Yeah. All that. yeah. Last thing, any, any last words that you have in... You know, with sports-related injuries or for people that are dealing with knee surgeries, right? What are some of the words of wisdom that you learned through experience, right? Dealing with your own injury, returning back to the high level, you know, returning successfully without any adverse effects or delayed delayed types of problems, right? What are some of the things that you can share to those people? Because I feel like a lot of people in this stage of our life, sometimes they end up having these types of injuries, right? And you're still like not ready to give up that activity, right? But you also want to be okay when you're doing that activity. So what kinds of things do you have that can maybe share some insights as to if you have this type of injury, you need surgery maybe, what are some of the things that will help them navigate this process? Jeez, I I think it just goes back to having that good good team um, to rely on. because I mean, yeah, if you feel yourself get injured, you know, it's, you know, it's an uh, injury. I think erring on the side of getting it checked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the, a lot of these injuries that you want to catch them early yeah. um, rather than not. Um, you can turn a, uh, a significant injury into a more significant injury the longer you wait. Yeah. Um, so just, I think, getting that diagnosed early and meeting with a good doc who, who can explain to you your options. Because yeah. not every injury is a surgical injury. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's oftentimes many options you can, you can choose from. But I think that's it. As far as my journey, yeah, um, getting some good rehab, uh, listening. I, I know I, I rush back and whatnot, but I think for the most part, I listened pretty yeah, well. And yeah. I, 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 I tried to rehab the heck out of my leg. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of time. And uh, the problem with this is, uh, I mean, we can go into this for a very long time. But I think the problem with, with uh, the difficulties with rehabbing here in America is, a lot of rehab isn't covered completely, mm-hmm. um, and a lot, especially a lot of the performance stuff, it's almost never covered. Yeah. So it limits how much us normal folks can can train or recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you only get like six to eight sessions of therapy covered for yeah. this type of surgical injury, that's probably not enough. Yeah. Um, that's probably not even close to enough. So I mean, that's that's a whole another discussion yeah. we could go into. Yeah. <laughs> I do, do want to build off of that because, yeah, I think like. Just because insurance covers a certain amount, that doesn't mean that you're back or you're oh, yeah. where you need to be, right? It's just saying that this is just to get you started. Yeah. And the journey is going, whatever level you want to return to, you're going to have to continue that. On that note, you know, I will say that, you know, you got back into all of these things, but you kept doing the things that you needed to work on. And even to this day, I mean, when was the last time we talked? Maybe last year, honestly. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a <laughs> we while, have, We don't see each other as, as often now. But even like how you said, you're doing some of the isometrics. You're doing some of the things that you know, even though you hate it, you know that it provides yeah. benefit. <laughs> I think that's the one message that we kind of keep emphasizing here on the podcast yeah. is that there's no like stop and start and stop or black and white end to like 
when rehab stops. Like yeah. that rehab concept is going to transfer into strength and conditioning. It's going to transfer into keeping your body ready yeah. to do jujitsu, right, on a weekly basis. Yeah. So if more people kind of have that approach, like, you know, of course, go to rehab, get started, but take some of those concepts that you know that needs continual work and just keep doing it as long as you're doing the activity that you want to do. Oh, right? yeah. I, yeah. I think that's that's huge. Having something restorative that you do on the side of your sport, I think, is, is huge. Like a lot of people surf because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of complementary to jiu-jitsu. I think a lot of the yep. movements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do a lot of the isometric stuff. I like to do that jog to keep some cardio up mm-hmm. so i feel like when you're tired you tend to get injured more too yeah. um yeah things like that but I, I think that's huge having having some like regular rehab you do for yourself to maintain yeah to maintain yeah definitely you know balancing out all the activities and like you said we can go on and on and talk so much more about this but i know oh, yeah. i know um after your long day of work and you know <laughs> you got to get back to the kids and everything we don't want to keep you too long but other than that i think it was a lot of great messages and you know just find someone in the field that you can rely on we talked about getting the team together and there's a lot of people in the orthopedic field either athletic trainers physical therapists physician assistants that are working in the orthopedic setting and i think the last thing that i'll end on is that they don't realize how much you guys actually do you're not only the ones that's seeing the patients in the clinic, but you're assisting in surgeries. You're seeing all of the procedures firsthand. You're seeing the follow-ups after rehab, right? So you kind of get this, this big panoramic view of like, oh, this is what's happening with this mm-hmm. athlete, right? So yeah, rely on some of these professions and you know, use it to your advantage. But other than that, any last words? No, I, thanks for having me to your gym, man. I, we got to... <laughs> Get get a, one of these workouts in. Yeah, we're gonna one get of one days. of these workouts in. Your your uh, famous uh, weight vest workout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could speak on that for hours. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. So we won't go into that. But overall, I mean, I appreciate you coming down, and yeah, we'll have to touch base more often. But thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's a cool podcast you got and cool setup you got here. <laughs>